I feel like I was made for it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Unconquerable Because We Believe vlog series. Please give a round of applause for yourselves, man. We are here. I appreciate y'all, man. I got I got family in the building. Uh, I just appreciate that we're all here right now. And these these special folks right here, I define as unconquerable, right? But before I before I talk about the, what the unconquerable is, because everyone's been asking me what's the unconquerable, I want to introduce the special guests that are here. I'll start to the far left. Um, this queen is in her master's program over at UNLV for urban affairs, correct? It is public policy and urban leadership. Oh, a public policy and urban leadership. She's been she's been a silent killer in the community for a long time. And I say that because many people don't know what she's done with young queens out here. She has she had her own organization mentoring young girls. She not only mentoring them, but she makes them feel beautiful by making their own dresses. She has her own business. She's an entrepreneur. And I, I've had the pleasure of knowing this queen all my life. Yeah. Uh, really for all my life our mothers work with each other and uh, I'm just grateful for her being here Miss Jordan Hawkins please give a round of applause Miss Jordan Hawkins of course and um, my, the brother the king next to her is is someone I've met over the years I've seen him out here doing phenomenal things across the west side and I know he's matriculating to different cities, but the housing, the housing corporate assistance program that he has, the, 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 I'm sorry, I know I butchered it. Thank you. Yeah, he, he's been doing phenomenal with him, Akeem, and his crew, uh, renovating homes, making sure people are good. I, I've, I've witnessed this man's growth, and his story is phenomenal, but I'm going to allow him to tell you a story. This young gentleman right here, my man Dante. Please give a round of applause for my man Dante. And last but not least, Teacher Bay. <laughs> Teacher Bay, right? <laughs> no, this this queen right here, I, I've known her for about what five? It's about five, six years now. She's worked at Canyon Springs. She was a teacher. Everyone knows her there. She's a coach. She has her own businesses as well. Um, definitely has been someone I've admired working with a lot of the queens that I've worked with. And she's always pushing people. It don't matter who you are, she's gonna make sure to hold you accountable too. Especially as black men and black women. And everyone that's around her, she's always pushed the she's always pushed the bar. She's always been someone with social change, about social change. And I have no I have a pleasure to introduce in this queen, Miss Charday, aka CC. Congrats. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Yes, yes, yes. So thank y'all for coming to the show. This is episode one, uh, education versus reality, right? But before we even talk about the episode in general, let's I'm gonna just give y'all a background story about what the unconquerable is. So I am in my I am uh, in my PhD program at UNLV uh, for the CME program. So it's the curriculum instruction program with a concentration in cultural studies, international education, and multicultural education, right? Um, and, and of course, you know I'm someone who cares about social change. I I mentor. I work in higher ed. It's something that's is really ingrained in me that I just grew to love. Uh, I didn't. I thought that I was going to be a therapist, but that's not it. That's not what happened, right? I'm here, and so. With the Unconquerable, I was sitting here like in the summer of July, last summer. I was sitting here like, bro, what am I going to write my dissertation on? And of course, I was like, okay, mentorship, but what about mentorship? So I really started thinking about, I thought about y'all, actually. I seen how you were still moving and I seen how you were moving even through the pandemic. A lot of us were doing different things uh, that, uh, that people saw, people didn't see. And I was like, man, Dante's been through this. Jordan's overcame this. She, she's been over this. Um, there's many people that I've seen who are unconquerable and I define unconquerable as the one who's take, who takes on structural, personal, economical and systematic barriers and still unable to achieve success in their way. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I defined the unconquerable. That's where the name came from. But it really inspired from a poem called Invictus by Mr. William Ernest Henley. Uh, the beginning stanza is out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole i think whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul uh and that poem i learned when i was 15 years old and it just always stuck with me unconquerable souls always just stuck to me because i'm like man we've been through a lot and uh with jordan and i went to middle school we we went to school with a lot of cats that aren't alive today that some of them are locked up some and thank god a lot of us made it out we grew up in areas where it wasn't the best 
Uh, we were told that we weren't going to be much, and then a lot of us still became successful anyway. And when I defined the unconquerable, I was like, okay, I got the unconquerable. What's the name of my dissertation going to be? And allow me not to stray away from it. So I, de I defined my actual name of my dissertation is the unconquerable hyphenated what factors of informal and formal mentorship are effective for black men towards uh, degree completion mm -hmm. in higher education in Nevada. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I want to tackle I want to tackle more than just black men, but when you're in your dissertation, that's where you start at. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now that I explained um, what The Uncomfortable is, this is the vlog series because we believe. So if you're sitting here at this table, you're someone I identified as uncomfortable. There's many people out there uncomfortable, and this is something that I'm not going to stop doing. This is something I'm going to keep pushing for. I'm going to get many people on here that I believe really identify with uncomfortable. But, but just know you guys are special to my heart. Um, even if we don't talk all the time, I appreciate y'all being here, right? So education versus reality, right? These episodes that we're all seeing are factors of what I've been reading in all these different articles for my dissertation. Edu uh, education, uh, economics, you're talking about transportation for people, we're talking about uh, special needs, we're talking about all these factors that affect why black men and black women and all these young kids of color struggle when it comes to enrolling in the college, or not even just college, but trade schools, or trying to figure out what exactly they're trying to do, right? And there's so, there's so many outside factors that higher institutions or districts, school districts, don't take into account, right? So I really have, a, I have, the first question I have for all of us is, what are the realities of going to college, trade school, or not going at all? That's something I wanted to start the discussion with. And I know it's a heavy, heavy question to unload, but that's where I wanted to start. I guess, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and start, right? So I'll be someone who went to college, right? I grew up in a single parent home, my mom. My dad, he was in and out of my life, wasn't really there. So luckily for me, I had that youth group called Alpha Men Divas of Tomorrow, which is under my youth group, well, under the fraternity youth group, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Corporate, right? I got in that youth group, showed me different scholarships, showed me like, okay, there's these schools, great, but my mom didn't have enough money to take me, go to these HBCUs. My GPA was cool, but it wasn't great enough for me to leave. Mm -hmm. But it was always in grade, go to college, go to college. And this, this is your gateway to freedom. Well, I went to college, I had scholarships, but I still had to take out loans. Not knowing that these loans, right, um, hindered me in a way. But even though I went to college, I was grateful because it was a great escape for me. I was able to get in rooms that I didn't expect to get in, right? But there were some realities that I come to find out that comes with it, like the cons that they don't tell you. Like, okay, you take out these loans, <laughs> you take it's gonna hit you different right but then I see there's friends who didn't go to college who are flourishing who went to a trade school and make much more money than I do and I know it's not about money but it's about what are the realities of going to school right after right after high school or going to high school or going to college late or not going at all because there's people who haven't but they're very successful so that's what I mean is like what are, what are the realities that y'all have seen amongst yourselves and peer and your peers around you I think that in Nevada, and we'll say Clark County specifically, I don't think our economy is diverse enough mm -hmm. to not go to college. Okay. You know what I mean? Or if you do, if you don't, if you choose not to go to college, you have to have a plan or else you don't get sucked up in the fast life. And right. you know, that's what most of us have been sucked into or most mm -hmm. of our friends have been sucked into. So, and I'm like you, well, it took me like 10 years to graduate college, right? right. Almost 10 years. So, because I, my mom always ingrained in us, like, you have to go to college. You know what I mean? You, right. College is a good thing, but they didn't even know themselves how to even navigate through that process. Mm -hmm. So, when I got to college, or first, even when I was applying, mind you, I was going to drop out of high school, right? Right. So, when I decided, okay, I'm going to get my life together, I had a high school counselor took me under his wing, like, no, you're not dropping out, I'm going to help you. But I was getting denied into colleges, so I'm like, I had to go to CSN, right? Mm -hmm. I had no idea how the process worked. Right. I took out loans, I was failing class. I just didn't know how to even navigate through this educational realm. And I'm like, what is this? Right. So that's why it took me so long, because I had to figure it out. I had to do my own research. But I did see my friends who didn't go to college, and, you know, they work in these casino jobs. They're uh, cocktail make it money. They make it all these kids. So Boy. I'm like, oh, well, let me go try this out. And I'm like, this ain't for me either. Right. So I eventually went back, and I do see that now with the economy where it's at, especially in Las Vegas, and 
how the virus hit us so hard. Yeah. A lot of people are out of work. You yep. know what I mean? And it's like, I'm happy that I did take this educational route because I do have something to fall back on. You know right. what I mean? So that's, I would say that's the reality for me. Right. In Vegas, so. How about y'all? I can, I can okay. go. Yeah. It's a little different for me. Right. Um, because I don't come from like higher education mm -hmm. as far as, you know, from, from, I never went there. I went to college, maybe I probably got like 10 credits in college, but that was through when I was in prison. Mm. So I never experienced like what it, what that felt like, you know, to actually um, go through college. But what I will say is that when we're having this conversation, I think it depends on like, what's the, what's the objective. Right. So from a community standpoint, mm -hmm. I don't know if I necessarily think college is the way for us. Okay. I think specialization skills, mm. right? Because, uh, especially in the field that I'm in, you know, being an entrepreneur, but being, you know, in real estate, what I can tell you for sure, who's never going out of work, plumbers, right, electricians, mm -hmm. you know, mechanical, you know, things of this, because we're always building, mm -hmm. right? We're always tearing down and we're always building. So I'm not saying college isn't the route for, if we're speaking for a specific individual, but I think that skill set mm -hmm. uh, to me is much more lucrative from a community standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and, and it kind of go back and forth, you know, as far because again, I, I know individuals that, you know, have their doctors and here I am, I've been, you know, in prison, you know, over 10 years and I hire doctors. Mm -hmm. And so where does that correlation, like where did, like where do we kind of meet that? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I, you know, just high school diploma, graduated from prison, be in a position where I hire doctors that spent, you know, 10 and 12 years of their life to get this, you know, to get this degree, right? right. To get the specialized degree. So I, I'm kind of on the, the opposite of it. I right. think, you know, when we talk about education, I think it should be like with a specific purpose. Not just these generalized things as mm -hmm. far as like, hey, I graduated, you know, with business management. What does that mean? What does that mean? Right, right. Yeah, like, honestly, like, really, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, to manage a business, right? Do you really have a business plan? Like, you know. So some people get it and don't even know how to run a business, right? And, and that's something that, and that's the part I, I now I, I wanted your perspective, right? Because I see how successful you are. I didn't learn about, I knew business ethics, right? They teach you in college. I loved it because it teaches you that networking piece, right? And that, that is important. That's but there, there were certain things that I did, I, I had to kind of learn on my own that the classroom didn't teach. And I'm, and I'm someone who tells people, please go to, if you can, go to college. If it's not for you, I respect it because yeah. I don't hold it against you. But um, I, I've also been able to notice because of this pandemic, we haven't, there, there's, it's like, oh, Okay, so if you did go to college, it's beneficial here. Or if you're an entrepreneur, it's been beneficial here. Or if you're at a trade, it's been beneficial here. So there's really pros and cons to everything. It's just what, depending on your situation, what, what's, what's beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I, I question. It's like, okay, well, all right, well, what form of education really works best? But even when, I, but when you again are yeah. we having this com conversation from a community standpoint yeah. or individual standpoint well, and, and i'll say two different, like, two different things different exactly routes. if we're saying for the community what's good say, for yeah. like our young black men yeah right from a community standpoint mm -hmm. i think skill set and i'll say i'll say both i'll say both for the sake of it, it it does matter what you do as a community aspect okay what's like what does it what does it benefit us as a whole as a community but even though what may benefit us as a community may not benefit that one person or that individual. Correct. So that's, that is the question. It's both, yeah. you know? So I, I, just, I really want to know what y'all have to say about that. For me, that sounds like, like historically the Frederick Douglass versus WEB conversation. <laughs> it is, right? Like, do we do for the benefit of the community, is it more important to focus on the trades uh -huh. or take the WEB route and go for the intellectual formal education and stuff like that and I've always been a Frederick in my thing like I was pushed to go to college mm -hmm. on my white side I'm first generation like Grampy dropped out of school in seventh grade mm -hmm. but he's born in the 30s my mom and them barely finished high school um, so nobody was able to help me navigate on that side and then on my black side, everybody is a Gremlin alum. Mm. Okay. But wasn't really influential 
in my space. Like I had one auntie from my black. Really? Right? Oh, wait, hold up. Crazy. Not influential? No. That's crazy. I grew up with my white side. Oh, I grew okay. Up with my white okay. side. I was, you know, my daddy felt like y'all are girls. Y'all need to be living with your mama. Like he still had an impact on us and stuff like that. But he just assumed that we was always going to go to Gramlin. So there wasn't much of a conversation about it. Um, they all went, like my whole family's from Monroe. So they up the street from Gramlin. They mm -hmm. all went on scholarship. So me not going to school on scholarship, same issue. I didn't know how to navigate. I, my silly self, got a <laughs> private loan and a federal <laughs> loan. You know, like, and then it started accruing interest right. and all this other oh stuff. Lord. And I was like, I was so in debt before like sophomore year was done type stuff. And my mom co-signed on it. So then she's, you know, in some energy about it, but to be a teacher, you have to, mm -hmm. you know, like in one of those spaces, I've wanted to be an educator since like I could play school with my little sister and our baby dolls, like when we were kids. So I always knew I had to go to college, but Mona is a year behind me and she wanted to go to film and she wanted to go to USC and all this other stuff. Well, so the I film like, school there is popping. Right, right. Yeah, but you, my mama can't afford <laughs> no, 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 you, us to go. Right, right, right. I wanted to go to Howard or Gramlin and then I stayed in Vegas because I was in love in high school and didn't want all that mess. But like the biggest struggle I think in that is in one space, not taking advantage of trade schools in high school, mm -hmm. like Votech yeah. or Sector or whatever it's called now. All those magnet schools. Like these, all these, and that's what I think is beneficial for our community now is that most high schools have a magnet program yeah. associated with it. So. Yeah. If you want to, like, if you want to go for business or law or something like that, you can get a taste of it in high school and see, is this really the move that I want to make and follow through with a college education if that's what's necessary? Yeah. Or is this not what I want to do and I could take different routes and stuff like that? So I think that that was something that was great about, like, both of my sisters graduated from Votech. Nikki is seven years my senior. She's been with a cosmetology license right out of high school and has been doing her thing ever since. Uh, Mona had the TV and film production stuff and then pursued it with a college education, mm -hmm. you know, further. Um, and then I went to Centennial and didn't, you know, we didn't have trades or anything like that. Like I just that's, did my thing, but. That's wild. But I also feel like as a community space, those trade schools and things of that nature is what's necessary because then you have a choice. You mm -hmm. have options. You have things that are available for you from coming out of high school that I can go into a trade and not need to wait because I think college in a lot of spaces is a scam. Uh, you said what's a scam? It's college. Oh, like college in general. Like okay. The, you know, the amount of money that you spend yeah. for the degree and then you have to take requisite classes. So you take 13th and 14th grade that are just a waste mm -hmm. of time, a lot of time, <laughs> right. you know, before you actually get into what your major classes are. And if I was doing this in high school, then I would have already had those trades concentration, mm -hmm. like right off top without spending any of my own money or having to take out loans. And I can come out with, you know, licenses and different things yeah. to be able to go and make money for myself as an electrician or as an odd, like, an auto mechanic or you know like whatever that looks like right and i think that i think for sure that you know college for me was a lot of social it will it, honest, I, I would agree there i was there too years like being in, not that i'm not greek but being involved with my greek circle of friends and stuff yeah it was about kappa parties alpha parties turning up you know <laughs> like and living that life like was definitely and even what my daddy talks about he does not talk about his degree from Gramlin. It talks about the it culture the experience. Band, yeah. The vibe, the energy, you know, having that experience to to start to like make your own path, you mm -hmm. know, as a young adult. That was like the biggest impact college had for me was I could be unapologetically black here and I ain't gotta choose. I don't have to worry about how my mom feels, how my dad feels. I could just step in and be shishi for whoever that is. Right. And I didn't have that opportunity until college. Mm -hmm also kind of the issue of us not having black educators right you know like so how many black yeah so go ahead i just wanted to add to that really quick so when we talk about education virtually in the community space you meant you brought up a really good point right like having access in to trade schools even in a high school you know what i mean 
So I think for us, Shai, I don't know about you, but even at Brinley, I would have loved to have someone come and speak to us. Yes. These opportunities are available to you. I felt the same. Not just, okay, y'all going to go to Samurai and that's it. That's it. Classes. Because growing up, especially being black, we don't know the opportunities that are available to us after you graduate high school or after you graduate college. We only yep. know about these three, four major careers, being a doctor, a lawyer. And who's going to be that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it costs so much and it takes so long and it's discouraging. Mm -hmm. And who's gonna, we don't have the grades to get into those schools, right? So how can we get into these spaces if we don't even know about them? Yeah, because I'll speak to us being that where we were. We went to Brindley Middle School it, back in the early 2000s. Everyone went to Brindley. Or you went to Brindley, Garside, Swainston, those schools, yeah. it was, you just wanted to survive. And we grew, we grew that survival mentality very quick. I can tell you, I wasn't someone who did so well at Brindley. I couldn't stand it. I was someone who was getting bullied. I had to fight my way through, you know, like, and, but then there were certain cats I wasn't going to fight because I knew who they were. Like, yo, I wasn't going to get shot. Like, all right, cool. I'm going to just take the L and move and just walk away. And then half the time those dudes would leave you alone, but it was just like, you dealing with those barriers on top of, hey, education is gonna get you here. Mm -hmm. Well, am I gonna even make it to 18? Two there? Like a lot of us, it was it, exactly, it was Cimarron, the Dub, Western, and it wasn't even those possibilities. Like I'm thankful that Canyon Springs was new enough and did come to Brindley and no one really bit at it. It was just like, okay, yeah, law magnet program. I was like, oh, this is my way to get out of this side of the town to go that way, I'm going. So I applied and I got in and that's when my mind elevated right to like, it, cause now you're, I'm at a school where I'm in a law preparatory academy and I'm meeting, I'm meeting lawyers, but then I'm also seeing, I'm at a predominantly white, uh, sorry, predominantly black and Hispanic school, but everyone in my magnet program was white. And getting bussed out from Henderson to the east side. And then, and I was like, okay, like, this is crazy because at Canyon Springs, it was both. It was a magnet school and a regular school. And I wasn't seeing some of my friends in the same classes I was in. I was taking AP classes. And I'm just like, man, like, the way we look at education is completely different. I see, I see what you can do with it, but I had people in my corner that was different alphas outside of school who were telling me, this is what you can do with it. Like you can own businesses here, but you got to move this way, right? Because my um, my big brother's who's a he he got his he's a lawyer and a realtor. He has his own mortgage company, right? But he's also Nigerian. That's a whole different type of culture mindset as well. But we don't talk about those things, especially when it comes to education. Because how many how many black teachers did we have at Brown? I just had that conversation yesterday. No, I never had a, I never had a black teacher. What? I don't remember having one. I went to Swainston. You went yeah. to Swainson? Yeah. And I don't count coaches. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should. Coaches and support staff. Yeah, and unfortunately, that doesn't count. They're not licensed. So I had two. First grade, Mrs. Branch. I'll never forget her. Then junior year, Dr. Padres, who taught trigonometry. What, what type of black man you know teaches trigonometry? Oh, we was, we was, uh, it was, it was a lot of us in that class, but yeah. I had the same thing, because I yeah. went to Valley High School before I was incarcerated, and I was in the IB program. Okay, but. Right but it was the same thing. I think I was like the only black, yeah. like, that was in that program for sure. In the IB program? Absolutely, yeah, during my time, and that was in 2003. So it was just, it was a culture shock for me, because, you know, we living in the hood, they bring, you know, the bus come, and I was trying to balance that out, yeah. you know, the same thing, just the social, you know, um, the social balance, because I remember, you know, vividly just coming, you know, because I was gang banging at the time, right. know, I was involved with gangs, coming with red rags and an IB uniform, mm -hmm. my teacher Dean, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on, sir. Get your life together. Make it make sense. Get your life together. That don't make sense, sir. Like, you're going to have to figure it out. One thing I will say about being in that magnet program was the exposure. Okay. Right? Because and when we would have, like, our weekly meetings, you know, just even from a college standpoint, you know, these kids were talking, you know, I'm going to Harvard. At the time, I was like, I'm going to MIT. I want to be a nuclear engineer. Yo. Right? Really? Wow. Yeah. I ain't going to hold you. I didn't know that about yeah. you. But I salute you even yeah. saying that. Proceed, yeah, proceed, proceed, proceed. I proceed. want to be a nuclear engineer. And so that was, that program was structured for that, right? Wow. They were like, it was like a four-year uh, preparatorial college program. I'd be, you know, AP class. It was a little bit higher than AP classes there at right. Valley, right? You know, IB classes. But it was the same thing, the exposure. Mm -hmm. And that's imperative 
in our school systems because so we're getting to college but even before college in high school in middle school what type of exposure are we getting and is that exp exposure conducive to like the individuals we need to be or or, or want to be mm -hmm. right because a lot of things like it's life skills like, yeah whether i go to college whether i get a trade it's basic life skills that we're not learning and we're struggling with that's affecting us like more so than your college degree like you know uh networking like a lot of people don't like you get people i hear a lot of people like, i don't like to talk and i don't like to speak well that's like your biggest that's your biggest that's biggest instrument when it comes you got to be able to market yourself like you can't be scared like and that's the one the one conception i do not like when it comes to i'll say our our culture if we if we express ourselves too much we're too we're too cocky and it's like why, why, why can't I talk about my accomplishments and be humble about it? But like, why can't I say like, yo, I've done this. Yeah. I've worked with this person who's phenomenal as well without it coming off as bragging. Absolutely. And, but a part of that is preparation because what I'm hearing off this conversation is preparation. Yeah. And it's funny y'all talk about preparation because before I get to my second question, because it, it has to do with COVID. Yeah. But do you feel like, cause do you, do you all feel that not even just the school districts, higher ed, even, uh, I, and I'll, I'll hold us accountable too. Our community, do you feel like we've done enough to prepare for, um, prepare our youth, right? Prepare our youth for what's coming, even if we're not knowledgeable of what it is, have we prepared ourselves and our youth to what's going on out there? Have we due diligently done the work? Absolutely. I think we work towards it, but I don't think that enough of us have taken on that task. Mm. And I don't think they're, even like you said, with basic life skills, communication skills, how to, you know, how to work well with others. Those are things that we have to learn in the home yeah. a lot of times, or even in those early childhood programs that I don't think that we're, that we're getting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As students or as, as children. So, yeah, I don't think we're doing I'll, a great job. And I agree with all of that except the home part. And because I hear that, like, education starts at home. Edu it's too many variables for education to start at home. Mm -hmm. My mom could be a crackhead. Yeah. My daddy could be whooping my mom every day of the week, mm -hmm. right? I can grow up where, you know, you know, I got to run, you know, run to, uh, to the house from school. Like, there's too many variables in a household for us to put any education on a household. I think at a younger, with that younger institution where, like, in institutionalized education is imperative, mm -hmm. right? I'm all the way with that right. at a young age, right? Right. Um, so I'm with you all the way on that. Right. I just feel like there's way too many variables where you know you can't get education. Can my mom read? Right. You know. You know. Are they illiterate? Right. Right. But are they connecting with resources? And that's and that's they what I'm saying. If they can, can connect right. you even and with that's, them. There resources. are so many resources right. that push into the hood. And, yes. it, and then I think that that's also part of the problem, too, is that folks just make up that blackness is hood. Right. Yeah. And you, like, got black folks that run the gamut. Right. And I think that that's another big part of the breakdown is that most things that we push into as far as resources and stuff, Amdog wasn't coming to Centennial, bro. You, you know? And like, I, that was, that was, that that was prep, they only in the hood because yeah. like those are the only black kids that need that support. Right. Meanwhile, you got black kids that are first generation that, like, mm -hmm. I lived... <laughs> I don't even know I wasn't in, in that life or anything like that, but I lived in the neighborhood between Gibson and Ruth Fife and Western. Like right. that was my space until junior high. Like if I would have stayed there, then yeah, sure. I would have probably been able to know what it is for Greek life, know what black right, schools right, right. are, know all this because they'd be pushing into those areas. My sister was a fighter, got in fights all the time. My mama was like, before you go to Gibson, because Nikki done got, you know, all kind of jumped and stuff, black, brown fights and stuff, we're going to move up and you're going to be going to Mulaski right. and, like, Centennial. Okay. But we didn't have access, like, the, the question of access, like, yeah, sure, I grew up in a two-parent household type vibe, like, I was with my daddy a lot, they were both present, they right. wasn't in the same house, but education was pushed on me but did i have the resources to be able to go and do the things that i wanted that i didn't know that i wanted to do but i would have if right. i was exposed to it and then part of it is like but because i was in a good zip code at that point you then wasn't I, then you, i didn't get to get exposed to those different things like the youth groups and so, well because I, I will tell you though it's different it would like as i became an adult back then yes around our time Two early 2000s, if you was from the north or from the west side, you was in the Kappa League, you was a Sigma Beta, you was an M5 or a Diva, and everyone, you knew, every, pretty much everyone from 6-0 was, 
<laughs> was an Empire Diva. Like, and then you got the Pretty Boys Cavalier, everyone was there. But then as we matriculated out and these generation of kids that I've been mentoring, they come from Bishop Gorman. They come from Centennial. They come from Desert Pines and all these other schools and they drive. But the problem is they're driving out from their areas to the west side still. also have older siblings or older people in order to push that influence that too. from when we right. were younger to push that. That too. The amount of stuff that I'm able to do at Canyon yeah. and put on black history events, events and have mm -hmm. all that stuff or at, you know, Finley. I know I ain't gonna, I wasn't able to do the same. I left Shadow Ridge because they wouldn't even acknowledge Black History Month. But, but that's, but that's like, the community aspect you talking on because certain schools, you're right. Black teachers, there's black, yeah. all black everything everywhere. And we like have it like in this like monolithic type space that like black is hood, black is, you know, this, mm -hmm. is this area, you know, like it's the North or it's the West. Yeah. But, you know, like you say, there's black kids at Gorman, there's black kids at Centennial, there's black kids Desert at all Pines, these all these kids on the East. But yep. they also have those spaces that you could be in those spaces, and that doesn't mean that your home environment is still conducive to an education. That's true. Yeah. And that your parent, like my mama, you know, she wasn't helping me with no homework. Right. Like, I had to figure that out, you know? <laughs> like, it was just good that, like, I was smart, you right. know? But, like, had I had not been, mm -hmm. there wasn't nobody in the home to help me. Right. You know, there's not... My mom wasn't pushing you going to college or any of that. Like, yeah, she, if you want to, but she didn't know no better to even like tell us. To better, tell you better. You know? so. Well, I do want to just add to that because I understand what you're saying too. But when I say starts in the home, what I mean by that is it starts in, in the community, right? I agree. Because we went, well, I don't know about y'all, but I went to Operation Independence. Oh, okay. And I didn't really, I mean, my dad was in my life as well, but I mean, he was on drugs, you know, most of my life. So I, I, I get it, having yeah. that, that, you know, not having that, that realm where your mom has the time to even teach you, you know? Yeah. I remember, like, I'm never doing no homework. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I didn't have that in my home, even though my mom wanted to be that, that wasn't her reality. But when I say that is, our teachers don't care. You know what I mean? Like, they're not mm -hmm. teaching us those skills that we need. So that's why we need our community to do that. And that's what I mean by in the home. So, and again, oh we God. only have a couple black teachers. Yeah. And the teachers that are that are there, they're, you know, overexhausted and yeah. they don't have the resources themselves to help. So we really have to build uh, a stronger community when it comes to those basic I agree, right. I agree with you because there is there. I will say, though, like depending on where you were at, certain teachers didn't care. But I, I've bounced around to see teachers who did. Right. Yeah. Like and this is not this. Is, we're, of course, I know we're not bashing. We're just talking about our experience. And then a lot of our professions where we interacted with people and it's like, oh, you're you're the ones that our students talk about like that right. don't care and or they don't they don't feel like right. okay what's the like all, all i have to do is this and just i'll, I'll move on to the next okay yeah, cool they just pass you. and i do want to just and make one addition to that is even research and studies have shown that black students have better academic outcomes when they're yeah. in front of a black teacher yes yeah, true you know what i mean so i mean that's and that's not by chance yeah so it's cultural differences. White teachers don't understand what black students go through in the health that's true. In no, the that's community. So. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Even right. in the mental health space, I say that. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You know, we got someone that's from Virginia, you know, doing a study, you know, on a small village out there, and you're trying to make it, you know, um, uh, comparative to, you know, me growing up in a certain area. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't yeah. take this general approach right. and, and to a specific individual. Mm -hmm. Especially cultural right. differences is, it's, it's not only relevant, like, it's, it's everything. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that. I need to be able to identify with you cultur right. culturally. culturally. These things that you just may not understand, you know, and that I think, so we do need more African, you know, we need more blacks in the school system. Mm -hmm. like, and so it is a community thing. I say that to my mentors all the time because even on the West Side, when I'm dealing with a lot of these old heads, it's always about what they want to leave for the kids and what they want to leave for the kids. And I'm like, listen, for you to educate your kid without educating his friends, you failed. You failed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? That's and a fact. You failed, that's bro. A fact. Like, it got to be a community thing, yeah. right? You got all his little homeboys and everything. They got to be in that same group, that same conversation mm -hmm. because they're going to have more of an impact than you ever can yeah. when he's out, when you're out there, yeah. you know? Right. And, and you know something that's great? You bring up the pact of more teachers. There was, I seen an article, there was an article I read last semester that talked about urban schools, right? How you have 79% of these schools across the U.S. are heavily populated, are, are diverse, a lot minority, right? And then you have 89% of teachers who are white. Women. White, women, yeah. white women, right? And a huge part of that, like I don't have a problem if you're white. I think I have a problem when you're not properly trained on culture. Yeah. And then 
you, you, you don't know how to interact with people, right? And then there's not, there's not proper training that goes on. Um, I think that's the problem I have, right? And uh, it's not that a teacher is white or black. I just think training and understanding, being willing to understand outside of your own biases, right? Um, because then you roll into the problem of special ed. Um, <laughs> and that's a whole, that's a whole nother, and that's, and that's where I want to get into, right? Because my question, my next question for y'all is, is um, now that we talk, like just in general about our experiences, preparation, what our students are going through now, is our, ju is our juvenile and special needs youth being put in thriving positions pre-COVID and post-COVID, like during COVID, because we're in COVID now. And that's a hard one. Over 100,000 students didn't have access to Chromebooks. Over how many? Over like, not 100,000, I'm sorry. Over like, it was close to that number. Yeah, it was, in it was up there. It was a lot of students didn't even have access to Chromebooks in our district. So that would, we, so meaning we didn't have the infrastructure to mm -hmm. support a pandemic, to support black and brown students. They just gave up on them, in my opinion. Okay. So. Well, man. Cause I know you, um, I know you work in special, special ed teacher. My soapbox. Right. <laughs> I, I had a friend who I think he works with you, uh, who's a special ed teacher as well. Um, and we had the conversation about, cause he's getting his PhD as well in special Simmons. needs. Yeah, Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing his thing. Cool, cool brother. And we had what, what we had the conversation on is, you know, teachers and other counselors have reached out. To parents even done home visits so it's that it's that balance of okay the ones who do care like I know this brother cares who's reached out to students and their and who's gone to people's houses to get their student and their parent isn't holding their kid accountable yeah. and this is besides just special needs yeah. but because we're gonna get there but just the fact of okay now we've done that part but then there's accountability on the parents part like where's the balance you know Checking boxes. Checking boxes. That's all it is. Like, oh, we did a home visit. I could check that I did a, like, a wellness check on this person. What is your intention behind the things that you are doing or the systems that you're putting in play or the infrastructure to have kids be successful in this space? And a lot of it's not there. Like, you, you could do home visits and check, but the parents still got to work because they still got to put food on the thing, yeah. on right. the table. Right. So you got older siblings taking care of younger siblings. siblings while trying to go to school. Like I have a, a home where I had, like one of them was my quarterback last year. Um, he's in high school now. I got two sixth graders. They got another younger sibling and the oldest one is a junior at Mojave. Mama got to work right. so she could like still pay all the bills. So that means it's a free for all at home mm -hmm. until she gets home. Right. Or, and she's like, everybody got to go to school, mm -hmm. but if, my first period, one of the brothers that I got in that class, he sleep. He'll log on, but he sleep. He ain't got nobody to hold him accountable because she's still trying to do her work. Right. Or, you know, the next kid is trying to do what they have to do. So they're sitting up here and they're in a position where they're having to take care of themselves. Ain't no sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader, or high schooler really going to be in a position to where they are being that responsible yeah. for themselves. Right. Like, in college, we struggle with time management and stuff like that for online education like I'm way better at going to school in class than I am mm -hmm. taking an online class so how can I have those expectations for a third grader fourth grader sixth grader right and then at the same space you do a wellness check yeah okay we're good we're here but can they pay all their bills yeah. Can they pay the internet bill? Mm -hmm. And Cox is taxing. Yes. And it could, internet, it right? could right now. And that's and that's. considering they got an enterprise grant for one dollar for that plot of land they got over there. Yeah, absolutely. That's all the enterprise so you grant. So you right on the west. <laughs> y'all got this plot of land for one dollar, right? <laughs> and so y'all could come in our. You could come in our community, right? right? You can get this for you know pennies on the dollar, literally mm -hmm. pennies on the dollar. And there's no kickbacks to the community. We ain't got no free Wi-Fi going on around and here. That's, and that's an issue. That's, that's a big totally issue. issue. That's a big issue. You <sighs> don't have those I'm spaces puzzled. to go to like, uh, you can't go and sit at Starbucks and no, you can't. for all day because. You get the police called on you. Well, there, so there's that. And right. then there's also like, we have a maximum occupancy now. So if you ain't sitting up here actually purchasing anything, the libraries are barely open. Everything has a capacity thing. Mm -hmm. So even if, I do start to get a little bit more 
you know, strategic about how I'm going. Like, I'll have kids that disappear for a week. I'll be like, you know, hey, you know, so-and-so, where you been at, little homie? Like, yeah. I ain't seen you. <laughs> and he'd be like, you know, sorry, miss. Like, I couldn't walk to the library because mm. I'd take care of my siblings. And we didn't have internet for last week. So, like, what, like it's not even a matter all the time on whether or not they have, like, the resilience to keep pushing through right. and wanting to do it. Mm. It's like, do I have the time and, w like... And is this one of your students who is yeah. who's special needs as well? All my kids are special. Oh, so, oh, so all your kids, so because that's the part that kills me, right? Like that's 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 a special needs student who's verbal. Yeah. There's there's nonverbal students. Oh, I work with kids with autism. Not, you too? too? Okay. Yeah, like how? Like what's? And that's that's why I'm like their how? Their parents are home though. Their parents their are their home. Parents, okay. But it's like I wonder what that looks like for those parents that like now that I don't have the ki the school to babysit my kid on top of educating them how am i supposed to be making money you know that how too. am i supposed to do things because my 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 some of my kids like they ain't doing nothing if they don't have a parent sitting with them doing it right there with them you know they're still on peck systems and all this other like mm -hmm. very like elementary stuff mm -hmm. in high school or junior high and stuff that they just don't have the skill set to be able to work independently. Right. And I can't support them. Like, if you, if I can't even get you to get on, how am I supposed to support you? If I can't, if you can't navigate, we haven't taught the kids well enough how to navigate yeah. through different tabs and, like, our kid yeah. that called me. I'm not right. putting him out there. But okay, I got you. You know, he's like, miss, I'm trying really hard in high school this year because he was, like, one of my goofballs in right, right. seventh and eighth grade year. But he's, I'm trying super hard. It's just really hard because I'll have to open up 10 tabs in first period. And then by the time I go to the next period, like, I've got so many tabs open. Like, I don't even know how to get through the stuff, and it's overwhelming. So then it's in that space for SPED. Are you able to apply all of the accommodations and the supports that these kids need virtually? Mm -hmm. And do you have the support from home for them to be able to back it up on the other end? Because then from the parent perspective, because I'm sister mom to my little brother. Right. There's so much that I have, like, I have, like, three hours of homework every night on top of my teacher responsibilities of having, like, my little brother be successful mm -hmm. in this school space because he has an IEP and he be struggling. And they'll give him, you know, like, chapters or paragraphs to read. And, yeah, sure, we give you something to chunk. Right. But it's so, like, elaborate, you know. It's like this isn't even possible to... I'm overwhelmed, <laughs> so I know that you're <laughs> yeah, overwhelmed right. the amount of work My God. or the whatever. So it's like, I just don't think, not at all. Well, I, I want to add to that because I, I can't answer this conversation from an educator's perspective, but mm -hmm. I work with educators every day, right? right. And I want to applaud that brother for even doing house checks or whoever else does. Y'all yeah. don't know how many calls I got at the beginning of the school. You're like, do I have to call these students? Like, of course, our white teachers. like. I don't want to do check. I don't want to check in on them. Why do I need to do this? And I'm like, do you know that these children are struggling at home? Like, right. they don't have their parents have to work if they're even able to work. If they ha they having a hard time putting food on the table. These students are struggling. So why wouldn't you want to reach out to your students? So I wanted to go back to that. Like, I applaud y'all for actually even taking those necessary steps to check on the students. You know? Man, listen. Like, I had so many at, at the at the at CSN where I work. I've had students say, "Hey, brother Sean," because at this point, they've met, they all come to brothers like, yo, I don't, I'll see you when we back in. Yeah. They're not even, because like, they were like, I got to work. Oh, yeah. And these are, these are adults now. Like, how are you going to tell an adult no? Especially yeah. uh, here, our, our special needs students who have IEPs, they all go to the DRC. Mm -hmm. It's tough for them. Yeah. Um, and I've, I have a colleague whose daughter's nonverbal. And she, on top of the meetings we got to do, on top of stuff we got to do at CSN, she struggles to make sure her daughter, who's nonverbal, is on there, on live, paying attention to the teacher. The teacher's like, can you get her to do this? I'm in a meeting at the same time. I got to speak because I have to report yeah. on top of that. And then I'm just like, yo, I pray for y'all because my daughters, they're, they're, they're at private school. So I'm blessed and I don't even complain. Yeah. But I just sit here and think about, man, my special needs students, my friends like you and Simmons who work with special needs. And then I think about my juvenile youth. Cause I used to work with juveniles, right? Uh, I used to go up to Spring Mountain and work with those kids, help them put them on waxes, get them checks, all that stuff. But I saw how education was ran up there for them. And now the mountain's closed. They're all down here. I didn't know they closed the mountain. Yeah, they closed the mountain because of COVID. They had to close it and they're all down here. They're all at the like CDC. Caliente and like 
Elko. Mm-hmm. No, no, not Elko, but Spring Mountain Youth Camp. Uh-huh. They closed. Yeah, no, yeah. There's other. Like, yeah, there's other ones. They're yeah, still open. they're still open. Elko. Yeah. They're still open. Because I know that there's more than a few sped positions that are open. Because I applied to go and work like up there for next year. Oh, for next year. But okay. They they open, but it would be a question of how. How good is the education actually? The education is horrible. I went to all of them. So I've been to Spring Mountain, County, Antiano. That's what I was going to ask you. So, like, how was that? Like, because from your personal experience, i seen it from a professional as a professional. Yeah. But you being in it. So, I, it was, it was, I, I had a different experience because um, I was pretty smart as a kid. So, I was always engaged, you know, I like magnet classes and everything else. And I was always self-educated. So, I was good on that end. But what I will say is that there's a direct correlation between special ed because I was an IEP, right? I was considered special ed before behavioral problems, right? And there's a direct correlation between like IEP students and the juvenile but in Spring Mountain. Like we all like that's like that process, and honestly, from 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 elementary being in them IEP meetings right. to going to the board in prison, it's all the same. Yeah, the process mm-hmm. is the same. Right, like the Man. whole process mm-hmm. is the same, and it's scary because you realize, like, we were trained, yeah, right? We were trained, there were certain words that were used, there were certain environments that we were put in, right? That was training us, that was shaping us mm-hmm. to be an inmate, yeah. right? From the very beginning, and like, um, and so again, on the education, I'm trying not to get choked up about it because it's sick. Yeah, like it's a methodical plan, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to get on like no conspiracy theory. Anything. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. This, but this, this is the space. This is the space to talk about it. This is this is the space where we talk about it, right? It's a methodical plan. This is the space, and and that's why I wanted to ask because I, I wanted to have this conversation because I'm sitting here talking about it. We're talking about all of it because it's there's for every for every pro there's about three cons that come with it, especially for black youth, right? Um, and, and of course, you know, I work with all my students, but for anybody that knows me that works at CSN, I'm all for my black students, but I make sure I take care of, I give the same energy to my Hispanic kids, my Latinx kids, my Asian American. I give them the same energy because I know what I represent for these students, right? Um, and this is why I just want, this is the conversation why I, I got into education, especially higher ed. And I understood the preparation. Like I was prepared, I was prepared small glimpse like a lot of us were there was certain because i joined this youth and i okay i had to tap this person just to get it but everyone else wasn't getting the same information mm-hmm. and then i had to tell the homies like hey let's do this and even my students now there's there's two of my young ones who's here with us doing this episode and i'm like all right this is what you need to do this is who you got to talk to but not all their peers are getting the same information yeah. and that's the problem i have and i did have one last question to end this out today um i wish we had more i wish we could go more <laughs> yeah, but um, we this and this is something that's ongoing. This ain't gonna be the last yeah. time. I promise you. This did this strategically. Yeah. But with us talking about everything we talked about, access, pre- preparation, community, about how each of our students in the same city are getting taught differently at different uh, parts of the community, what form of education is best for our youth? Mm. I don't think it's something personally for me. I don't think it's something you can just say there's one way. I don't uh, see that. I can't just say, uh, and I hate to like categorize education because there's right. just so many ways you can, you know, spend this conversation. Right, right. What I do believe, and it's not a cop out, but what I do believe is that we just need more mentors okay. to actually individually deal with our youth mm-hmm. because we all learn different. Right, right. We all have different. Like I said, we have different variables. Yeah. And so even with the IEP thing, not to step back on that, like a lot of times we get categorized because they don't understand the way we're expressing ourselves, Brilliant. right? Whether that's physically, verbally or whatever. And then it's automatically, hey, you got a problem, medication, autism, right. you're the special ed. Oh, right. No. right. I'm, just, I'm just upset. Like, now I'm labeled I'm again. Right. But like them same labels right. that I'm embarrassed by. Right, that I'm hiding from. Right. It's no different from those same labels that you're ex-felon, mm. you're a convict. Right. Like, it's the, it's the labeling game. So I think that we just need more community, yeah. right, that's actually taking an interest mm-hmm. into our young, you know, brothers and sisters and saying, hey, what is it that you have going on? And let me teach you life skills to be, because I think there's the universal facts. Right. Right. I think there's like universal gems in life. 
right? And that gonna apply no matter what. Right. And I think if we can stand on that about like, hey, how you treat others, mm -hmm. hey, how you communicate, mm -hmm. you know, things of this nature, um, then it'd be all right. Everything else is just specialization because it's it's based off what they want and where they want to go. But to categorize it and put them, it's just it's the world is constantly changing. So what we teach them right now may not be applying in like six, it's seven six, years. years now. It's true. It's right? continuous. So they need some type of like. I think, you know, moral code, moral conduct, mm -hmm. et, you know, ethical conduct about themselves to, like, keep them going no matter how the world is changing. Right, right. Yeah. I was to add to that, I totally agree. And I think we need a structure or a system that allows students to express themselves culturally, um, whether that be through the arts, mm -hmm. um, socially, and like you said, etiquette, morals, um, just to really mold them up. And I always bring up Operation Independence because that was such a great program, mm -hmm. a pre-K program, because I feel like everyone who went through that program is like into the community, into the arts, in some way and or in some capacity. So really implement those things because of course, like you said earlier, black people are not a monolith and we have so many different aspects to us and right. so many different things that we can go into. Mm -hmm. We have to teach our kids from the very beginning the possibilities, are, mm -hmm. so that the possibilities are endless. Like this is what you can do. You don't have to just be a doctor or a lawyer. You know what I mean? Right, like right. you don't have to be a teacher. There's so much you can do, but we don't know that. Yeah. So I think really getting into our, the heads of, of children at a young age and really molding them. You right. know what I mean? To be who they want to be, not who we want them to be. So. And critical thinking. Critical yeah. thinking, yes. Like, that's, what I want. Yeah. Like, that's so important. Like our education system is, we base intelligence on memorization, yeah. mm. right? Yeah. And that's just Boy. like, and I was the opposite. I was always good at tests, but like that's not the real world. Because I agree. Problems are happening. You need to be able to make like quick decisions yeah. mm -hmm. fast because yeah. you're always into the problem solving in yeah. the industry. And I think if we can really like create studies or curriculums that strictly work on, you know, problem solving, just critical critical thinking, I think like that's a good way to go. Yeah. No matter what industry you're in, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, police, you know, in the education, you're going to always have problems and you're going to always have to have decisions mm -hmm. and make the right decisions. Right. How do you do that? What does that process look like? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think more training on that, strengthening that muscle would be a good way to start. Yeah. My man. Yeah. And in that space, you wouldn't Clean. really need special education. Right. Or, you know, when you're coming from that capacity of, like, to run back, even though I know you say we short on time, but... Like the labeling, Simmons had a survey that he had just had us fill out. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the last kid that was put into SPED for an emotional disturbance, right. which is like the behavioral stuff in secondary. Mm -hmm. So while these kids are in elementary school, have no concept of like coping skills, emotional intelligence, things of that nature, we're sitting here and putting them in a space where now they're labeled and the school to prison pipeline is literally the seats. And, and I have to tell my kids this every year because I have the bad kids right. um, at whatever school because <laughs> I just connect with them. Um, <laughs> and they'll give them to me for their entire time that they're at the school. <laughs> but it's like for every desk that yeah. they feel, is another bed in prison yeah. because the um, and like and that's Ooh. like real that's, that's where the square pipeline is it's real i know it's significantly based off black boys in special ed yeah. Yeah. and even more so with the emo the mild to moderate disability categories of emotional disturbance learning disability um conduct disorder like and all of those are extremely subjective yeah, yeah. you know like one kid being bad for a white teacher who's from the suburbs, coming over here trying to teach in the hood, does not deal with black people outside of her nine to five of being no. here, mm -hmm. doesn't, the, the black kids don't deal with white folks outside of being in this space, mm -hmm. and they are s expected to have to code switch constantly. Mm. But the white folks are not in a position to where they have to code switch and learn our codes mm. and learn our culture. Mm. We have to switch to them and conform and stuff as opposed to being in a space where our black genius or our way of expressing ourselves in hands and talking okay period all that type of yeah, stuff yeah. is not intimidating to them because right. as soon as they get intimidated by some little black boy 
or a black girl because they disrespected them in the class because my classroom is my kingdom mm -hmm. and I can run this how I want to. And if I try and press an issue, you wouldn't press that same issue with that little black boy or girl on the street. Right. So don't do it in here. Right. right. And Policing. But, but I have the space <laughs> where police in our I tones. got like in the <laughs> space where I can I can do it in here. And if you if you press the issue back with me. Right. I can send you to the dean's office. Now you got paperwork yeah. on you. Right. Oh, you do it enough, but we're not taking into like consideration like the antecedent. We're just trying to like label the behavior right, right. and then put out consequences and all that sh stuff is on some white stuff. Yeah. Mm. Like is having to conform to their system that does not support us. So to answer the question, well, I know you have a second part of the question on part two, so I just want to answer that piece yeah. is it had said something about what is the biggest struggle that you think will be coming from mm -hmm. us shifting back after COVID. So post-COVID, yeah. Post-COVID is all these black and brown boys and girls are going to have to be in that white environment again. Ooh. And that's something that is scary. It is. Because while I am talking to a kid over the computer and being like yo dante i need you to pay attention sir come mm -hmm. on dante's at home and he's in his safe space yeah, yeah. i mean you know conditionally like right. you know yeah. home might be safe might not right. be safe but whatever that looks like you're in a space that's comfortable for you like now when it's time for you to come back well now you got to get back into the system system yeah and now you're back in my space mm -hmm. and now i could press issues because you could just disconnect yeah like kids be yeah. girl Bye. i gotta hear this what you gonna do click click and be done, and be done. but yeah. now once they have to start coming back and we're having them come back to the same old thing because these white teachers have not all of a sudden done a 180 and figured it out right they haven't been putting in the efforts and stuff to get to know black and brown community norms cultural norms and stuff so that way when these kids do step back into a space after being in the pandemic and all and george floyd and all mm -hmm. those things we still have a white administration that doesn't want to address those triggers within our community mm -hmm. even though we have black teachers and black kids that we're still having to work with like you know it's 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 crazy like the idea that and once we go back next year we're gonna be right back on the same thing and all these black boys and girls hispanic boys and girls are going to have to be right back in white spaces having to code switch and figure out how to navigate that system. So there have been bills, well there was a bill passed that kind of made it a lot more difficult and I'm sure you know about it as an educator, made it more difficult for students to be, um, I don't want to say reprimanded, but to be suspended right from school. However, we are still not addressing why these students are even in this predicament in the first right. place. Girl, right? the kids will get kicked out of class. They'll get, they'll be kids in class. No, nah, you can't come in today. Right. right. You can't even come in my class because you pissed right. me off yesterday. And that's because we don't have culturally, culturally responsive educators within our mm -hmm. school district. And then on top of that, if you look at others, like Oakland, Oakland Unified School District, right? Like the best district. Right. I love it because mm -hmm. I did a lot of research on it when I was working on a restorative justice bill here in Nevada. And I found that they have implemented peer circles. Like, they'll go before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. restorative circles as well. Like, if you do something, you go in front of your peers, like, okay, why did you and, um, why did you and she, she fight? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, y'all can't be doing that shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, y'all need to chill because it affects X, Y, and Z in the community. This is going to be the repercussions if you do this out in the real world. Right. And we don't implement that because, of course, we don't have that culturally responsive space in the district. And I think that we need to address those things. So, yeah, I feel like they made a step towards right. kind of breaking that um, elementary to prison pipeline. It's never going to change unless we really help our black black and brown students really mm -hmm. address their, you know, address these issues as to why they do feel this way. Right. It's not going to change because it's a business. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like, and it's a big business. Yeah. Right. It no, is. And, and, that's, yeah. and, and, that, and that's why I'll close. And this is why, man, I wish we can keep going. But I'll close with saying this, right? Because I agree with all y'all. I think there's two parts of it. Because I'm in uh, curriculum instruction is why I got into this to sh to really create social change. But mentorship is one, but censorship. People don't talk about censorship, and I don't mean censorship as to limit what you with how you communicate. But I mean mentorship is teach really guiding you through a system. Learn you're learning the system, but censorship is showing you the loopholes of how you put yourself. Once you get in a position, or once you're in those rooms, right. you create social change. Yeah, absolutely. And that's 
what's important when we get to that part, right? And I think we're, we've 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 become the generation to to challenge that. And things are happening because younger folks are coming in and making waves, and that's just the start. We have a lot more to go, and definitely, definitely. And I want to thank y'all for coming to to the. The Unconquerable Because We Believe. That was episode one. Please give round of to yourselves. This was episode one. Um, education versus reality. Thank y'all. I love y'all. And we out, man. This, this, that was, that was it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No.